0: the future of photography Adrian when have you seen the last politician's speech on TV (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey, I'm
0: living through Brexit. <laughs> you, I, I <laughs> okay, let's let's not go into politics here, but um, I want to talk every, about... Every, every day,
1: multiple times a day. Let's just leave it there, shall we? Yeah.
0: I, I, wa- I want to talk about reality, about synthetic reality, about believing in things and about how AI, artificial intelligence, might de-skill us. And this okay. This is going to be a very philosophical episode. I apologize. Anyone who came here for technical stuff, um, yeah, it's not this episode.
1: Uh, um, no, I like our philosophical chat, so I'm looking yeah, forward to this one.
0: And and I have to admit, I don't really know where this discussion will go. Um, but I've this was all triggered for, from an article written by Rob Horning, titled "Reasons to Believe." And let me start to 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 preface this with um, some technical developments. We've talked about some of those in the past. There's there's technology out there now that can create synthetic realities, fake realities. There's an algorithm out there called deep fakes where you can put like one person's face on another person's face in video and uh, just like replace personalities. There's There's software out there or algorithms out there that allow you to uh, to transfer some person's facial um, well, facial features and the way they move onto another person. So you could move someone's mouth in a video even though they aren't moving their mouth and you can make them say something without them actually saying it. So that, that's why that's why I brought up the politicians' things because mm. um, if you combine that with text to speech, Adobe Voco is a, a prototype they showed on a on a trade show a while ago. Or I, see, on I a saw keynote that. A while that ago. was scary. You where where, just, where you can where where you can take well, where that system can take like a few minutes of someone speaking. I don't know how much, but they can take some sample of that person, like a politician's speech. And then they can synthesize anything in that person's voice out of that. And if you combine that with the video capabilities, you can create a fake speech of a politician, put it on TV, and most people will probably believe it. So again, this is yeah. This okay, is, that's
1: not that's not a very high hurdle, is it? <laughs> <But> well, we <laughs> most are, people will believe most stuff. To be we, fair, <laughs> we,
0: we are in times where yeah, well, that that could certainly be argued. Um, and the uh, the guy who wrote this blog post, um, Rob Horning, uh, again based this on an article in the New Yorker by uh, an author called Joshua Rothman, and he takes a look at synthetic realism and what that means, because. Um, those ai i'm not
1: sure i do know what that means actually what does synthetic realism mean
0: well no no one really knows but but he he just stipulates a few things i mean as i just established ai reality generators let's call them that are getting better um the there's more ways to create synthetic media including photos and that will not just have uh, an implication on how we perceive reality or if we perceive that as reality but it will also have an influence on uh or an impact on our skill levels of doing things now the, he he voices one concern as he says that people will just be more susceptible to believe things and then be led to false conclusions and at the same time he, hey, he goes i've I won't read the entire article to you, but he goes into reality and how this is an emotional construct. Like, we create reality within ourselves, and we feel reality more than we know it most of the time. Mm, that, and,
1: that is philosophical. You are right. And <laughs>
0: some people even might want to be tricked. I mean, Adrian, do you listen to the news? Do you read the news? Uh, yeah. Yes, you do. Do you yeah, like I to do. be yeah. on social media? Um Probably, at least to a certain extent. But you know, you know, you know. Here's here's what Horning writes about that. He, He writes people enjoyed being tricked under conditions they control. Perhaps going on social media for news already works that way. It's like paying to enter the freak show tent. Only we are seduced not by a carnival barker, but the approval of friends who've already been inside.
1: Now that I can well believe because, because that, news, that's that's a that's a feedback loop, isn't it? And those sorts of things are not very healthy.
0: And, and feedback loops are what this is all about. Because we we we, I mean, news. If you look at it at face value, most news today is not news; it's entertainment, right? And it's a, it's a, there's some thrill in finding out what what outrageous thing politician X Y Z has said in the last 24 hours or twittered um and it's a feedback loop um
1: it 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 is scary i mean i I, and i i don't know whether i i'm guilty of of be of not challenging enough or whether i'm just really lucky but i i consume most of my news from the bbc yeah (laughs) And and I'm I'm pretty confident that that it's reasonably balanced, but I might be wrong.
0: <laughs> I mean, he, here's another another example from a different field. Again, around your feedback loops because uh, Google, if you use Google Mail and if you use their native uh, interface on the web, which I do, by the way, they can now offer you to like to, to help you write your emails. They mm. have a feature that they that you can enable with a click, and what it does it's sentence by sentence it anticipates what you might want to write and offers that to you and just by hitting the tab key it auto completes that sentence and it uses like the context of what you've already written about and um it it's it's goes it goes beyond the usual greetings that are always the same but it kind of tries to react what Do you
1: what's... mean to say Google is reading my email? Of I can't they... <laughs> believe that for one moment.
0: <laughs> no, but it it has it has very interesting implications because it is, it is a a self-reinforcing system and that is how you train an AI. Mm. And uh, this New York Times writer there's a New York Times writer John Herman who's quoted in this in this blog post and he he describes how this process inverts machine learning. It goes the other way so that the the automated replies begin to train the users. Here's what he writes. He writes, if a canned reply is never used, this is a signal that it should be purged. If it's frequently used, it will show up more often. This could, in theory, create feedback loops, common phrases becoming more common as they are offered back to users, winning a sort of election for the best way to say okay with polite verbosity and even training users AI-like to use them elsewhere
1: that's that's really interesting yeah in in my professional life a lot of what I do is about communication yeah and sometimes that's verbal sometimes it's visual sometimes it's written I uh, I, I can I can see a huge amount of danger in, in that, I, I, and I, I'd like to think I pay enough attention to writing my emails uh, that that people would notice. <laughs> but maybe they maybe if the algorithms were good enough, maybe, well, maybe they wouldn't notice. <laughs> I,
0: I had this feature turned on when it was offered to me. I was like, "Yeah, sure, let me have a look." And then I turned it off again because I I realized that it is going to make my writing less. Well, do you know where we're going with this? Do you know what this is? is,
1: Do you know where we're going? Have you have you seen the movie Wall-E? Yes, I have. Yeah, and where in the future none of the people actually speak to each other; they're all really fat and they've got no skeletons, (laughs) and they ride around in flying cars, uh, and they never and they only interact (laughs) through screens.
0: Uh, right. So b- before I before I bring that back into photography, there is another thing. Uh, well, this auto auto completion is a form of de-skilling, right? It takes skill out of things. Yes, that, that's actually. Do
1: you know what? That's where I think is is some it, of the big danger is, it, is it's it's devolution rather than evolution. Yeah, at it that
0: outsources point it outsources the work of your brain, right? Your, your brain when you write when you write an email or anything else is always kind of trains itself on, on 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 the same question, is is what I want to write acceptable? Is that is that the right thing to write in these circumstances? And um, instead these autocompletion things, well they will they will encourage kind of unreflexive action is what this article says. Now, here's an interesting quote um, he quotes Rothman simply similarly points out how predictive sorting of images creates feedback loops that reinforce certain representation tropes. The familiar clichés of social media images. In addition to unearthing similarities, social media creates them. Having seen photos that look a certain way, we start taking them that way ourselves... And the regularity of these photos makes it easier for networks to synthesize pictures that look right to us. We start to recreate the synthetic reality because it seems more real than the unpredictable chaos that is actual reality. Or rather, we see reality as a set of particular patterns, just as the machines do. Social media serve as a vector for spreading this way of seeing. Ooh. now this this sounds very very dystopian um, it, it, I'm it not is, sure it's how all, it's,
1: it's already true
0: and it's been true for some years <laughs> <laughs> but, but the interesting thing is uh, this sounds very dystopian I don't think it will be that dystopian um, or that horrible because we have seen that happen over and over again in the past when you look at how did photography look like in the 70s how did it look like in the 90s um, you always have what I think it's called zeitgeist, right? where a certain taste establishes itself to be right for that time, and yeah, yeah. The, and, and the the problem true. here, the problem here, I think, is that with more communication with the social media, with everything, which I love and i'm I'm on that, and I use that stuff, but there is a chance of more reinforcement than there used to be. I think that is the problem.
1: Yeah. So, so this could go two ways, couldn't it? Because, you know, I, I don't think I've ever heard of the word unreflexive before, but, but I, I guess I know <laughs> what just it means. It's, no, no. I, yeah. But it's, it's, um, it's, uh, I, I can see that, yes, it would, it would dumb us down, wouldn't it? You know, it, you know if, if too much of the work is done for you. And then there's the counter argument that I could perceive uh, uh, where actually you know uh, and this is the same argument that goes for the washing machine uh you know it which is that you know you get more free time to exercise your brain in in more creative and higher level higher value endeavors
0: which did not really work out that well in wally right
1: <laughs> no no <laughs> Yeah, that, that's very true. Let me think. Of, I need to change my movie reference quickly, <laughs> don't I? Have you ever written? Um, i tell you what, you, you like sci fi, don't you? Have you of ever read any of Ian Banks's sci
0: fi, which no, he does have the Ian M. Banks? I have not, no.
1: Okay, so so m- much of that is set in uh, what, technically, in the sci fi world, I believe, is known as a post scarcity society. Mm hmm which means a bit like uh, a bit like Star Trek, where you get your food out of a replicator. You know, there is, there is no longer scarcity or poverty or, or lack of medical care or or anything like that. And, and, and and that changes the dynamic, of course, of the type of story that you can write um, and that you can, the the narrative that you can build, because so many of the narrative things available to you today uh, are not there. Um, But the, uh, yeah, you know, it'd, it'd be it would be nice, wouldn't it, to think that if I didn't have to spend so much time doing email, which i which by the way, I, I have to do too much of already, that I could spend my time being more creative. I could imagine bigger things, and I could achieve more.
0: Right, and and this and this post scarcity um, idea. I mean, we are already there in many respects, uh, especially looking at the internet, looking at us being able to be somewhere all the time, like to be there, to be, I don't know. When, when I travel, I send photos home, so that kind of takes people there. I have video from there. So um, this changes how people kind of experience, and again, this is from this article, how they experience documentary photography. They no longer, those photos no longer kind of inspire feelings of of um something being special there's a lot of mm. overexposure from that point of view and that and, and you see that kind of where it changes from original stuff to more more formulaic stuff um inst- instagram is a very good example where you have certain types of photography that reinforce themselves um so well, especially
1: so, seeing as we're seeing a lot in a lot in the news at the moment about um, uh, natural wonders of the world. Actually, telling people to stop. <laughs> oh yeah, there's, posting there's, on social media. There's <laughs> entire
0: campaigns trying to mm. stop people from geotagging their photos because it makes those some of those those locations into yeah. overrun locations.
1: So, so yeah. So I, so let me ask ask you a question because I know because uh, that that you're you're very passionate about what you call the democracy. The, I can't even say it. The, the democratization, I think, of photography, uh, and and that's something that you hold quite quite dear, isn't it? And quite strong views about that. um That you think that that's a good thing. Can can I ask then? Because you know, because of course, at, at some point, if you think of it as a numbers game, you know. We're not really expecting all of those people to suddenly become great photographers, are we? You know, it'll, it'll, yeah, may, maybe uh, the, the, some people who may not have had access to it before, who were, you know, stifled creatives, w- w- would have a chance to, to stretch their creative muscles because of the democratization of photography. But mostly speaking, yeah, we're not expecting everybody to become good photographers. And actually, you could argue that in terms of numbers, the average quality of photographs has gone down significantly because actually it's so easy to make a photograph and it's such a thoughtless exercise for most wow. people. Mm-hmm. the the vast majority of photographs are rubbish
0: well but that totally depends on your definition of what a good photograph is because which is the definition that counts well yeah (laughs) to me anyway to me (laughs) but yeah but that that is the, the big question because um if the photos that are are more artsy more i don't know along a a certain line of style if that is what we perceive to be the better photography then we are on that track of being more based on formulas than than original and maybe those snapshots those completely unplanned uncomposed snapshots point the camera and shoot are the ones that are the real the real gems because they mean something to the people that take them Hmm. hmm
1: that's true okay yes uh, I, uh there there are i, <laughs> I don't I have probably, an <laughs> i probably have many thousands of crap photographs that mean a lot
0: to me <laughs> you know you know it happened i go through old photos and i don't delete everything I i keep a certain amount of bad photos as well and i go through those later in like years later sometimes and uh, especially when i'm working on a book project and i'm sifting through photos and I don't know which ones would make sense in that and i end up being being uh, surprised by some of my one star photos where I, where i go wait a minute that is actually a good photo because it has a meaning and it doesn't necessarily uh, adhere to certain formulas and techniques and and ways a photo should look based on the, the zeitgeist um, but yeah, they are, yeah, and your good AI a different would probably delete
1: that for you, wouldn't it?
0: Oh, totally. The AI would probably, uh, would probably not have taken that in the first place. Would not ooh, be in existence. that's
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Anyway, what does that mean for the future of photography? Is are we in danger of losing the skill? And if it, if we do, is that is it that bad?
1: You yeah. know, mm, I so, so so I I like to think. Right. That although the vast majority of photography that we are exposed to may have AI influences, may have, um, uh, I don't know, uh, an influence of the social media herds, let's say. Yeah. And you can see that today, of course, very easily on on social media. Um, I like to think that the, the human race, there will always be people who are trying to push the edges you know and try and, and push the boundaries and, and, and learn something new and create something valuable, and, and I won't pretend to be the person who could spot the difference. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I think the, the, the human race has a, has a long history of, of pushing boundaries and, and learning and creating and building things, doesn't it? And,
0: and so you're, I don't you're think saying I'm that's an inherently to- human thing, and we
1: are—we're
0: I, I, going to yeah. stand up, stand up against the photo AIs and tell them where it's at
1: uh, well at th- least some will a yeah. small a small number of of, uh, of very creative people will will do that absolutely that the vast majority will just be glad that the AI can clean up their images
0: maybe maybe we are looking at some time some in-between time coming up where that that variety will get lost to a certain extent and that reality in our photography will get lost to a certain extent and then that might open up like, like a forest fire it might open up a uh, new ground for new things to come and fill that space again
1: yeah do you know what i think we need to go back and read the asimov foundation series. i think so
0: too yeah but but first <laughs> but first every, everyone read that article because it was really good food for thought i would normally not put that in in a show like this but it really made me think and there's way more in the article than than uh, i could convey here um again link is in the description of this of the episode and yeah i think yeah. we'll just leave it at that and everyone can think a bit more about all this yes
1: or we could have the conversation on social media
0: (laughs) well where we of course want to see your photos don't forget tfop now TFOP now as the hashtag if you've created something something yeah weird fun interesting with your smartphone software camera combination we want to see those tfop now is the hashtag on twitter on facebook on instagram um, absolutely post those photos and great i think that's it for this week
1: okay that's good philosophical stuff i think we <laughs> sorted that
0: problem out we'll have to go back to tech technology sooner or later until then everyone take care and bye-bye. bye bye bye